This is 89.9 WWNO. I'm Janae Pierre, and it's time for All Things New Orleans. On today's show, we'll give you all the details on the upcoming New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Then we'll chat about another U.S. city celebrating their tricentennial this year as well. That's all coming up on All Things New Orleans. But first, here's one of NOLA Life Stories. As part of the NOLA Resistance Project, the Historic New Orleans Collection has recorded conversations with several former members of the Congress of Racial Equality. New Orleans Corps became the center of the civil rights movement here, driven by the leadership of a few visionary organizers. Dave Dennis was one of those people. Though his relationship with the movement began a bit unconventionally, Dave describes how he accidentally got involved with the civil rights struggle in this edition of NOLA Life Stories. I always knew as I grew up my place, you know, because that's what we were taught. I knew of rumors and things of blacks being lynched, you know, I mean, as I was growing up, as the older folk they would talk, they didn't want to talk too much around the kids, you know, but you caught ends and, you know, began to put pieces together as you grew up later on this. Uh, I was walking across campus, they had a big rally on the, um, under the flagpole, and so uh, this young lady speaking to students, and, and, and I've passed by, and it's you know it's like civil rights stuff, and I said, okay. So I start walking away, and hitting, mm, and she looks awfully good. And so I turn around, and I wait till it's over, so I go to try to talk to her, get a date, you know, with her. And so uh, that ended up, and her uh, uh, inviting me, I didn't, uh, her date with me was to take me to a civil rights meeting, you know. And that was my first introduction to a core meeting that was held at Reverend Davis's church. And uh, people there were Oretta uh, Castle, Jerome Smith, uh, Rudy Lombard, you know. And so the young lady I was chasing, by the way, is was none other but Doris Castle, who was Oretta's sister. Right? So this is how this thing is unfolding. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. At this time, I'm a little bit into more of the movement is, but um, I'm, I'm still chasing Doris. I've been to jail now, you know. <laughs> Didn't do any good. But at the same time, as a house is, a house is like a meeting's place, you know. So her mother worked at Duke Chase, you know. So they used to have all this good food, you know. So I'm in college school. So I was over there almost every evening, you know, chasing Doris, chasing food, you know, <laughs> listening to stories and stuff. In fact, it is Ray Charles' song, uh, uh, when he talks about the waitress came up to him and asked him, it was a hard day. It's Oretha's mother who's one asking that question. He had the song going from that. I went to Dookie Chase to get something to eat. Raptor was just this quiet, you know, person who, who was one just a natural-born leader. I mean, she was tough and everything else. Doris too, and they're totally committed to the movement. And there's nothing that you know they would not do for her. And what we have is that she raised kids at the same time being the leader that she was. And fact is that when you look at it from that core, everything that happened primarily that changed this city came through people 
from, you know, a lot of those people uh, from CORE, New Orleans CORE was involved. We'll take hitting, we'll take beating. We're willing to accept death. But we're going to keep coming until we can ride from anywhere in the South to any place else in the South. And so everybody was there, and so we, they were talking about whether to continue to ride, and the ride to go on the next day, you know. So, you know, I'm really not sure yet. I'm like, you know, why am I here? You know, I'm really beginning to question myself is, you know, this is crazy, you know, this is crazy. So this is where my light turned was trying to, in the middle of this question is, somebody in that room said loud and clear, there's not enough space in this room for both God and fear. Make your choice. It's all over. And so from that day on, it was like, it was like a boom, flash of lightning. This NOLA Life Stories interview was conducted by Mark Cave for the Historic New Orleans Collection and produced for WWNO by Sarah Holtz. Next week, the Idea Village kicks off its 10th anniversary of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. N-O-E-W, as they call it. It's a week-long celebration of business, innovation, and entrepreneurship in the Crescent City. Here to tell us more about N-O-E-W is executive producer Victoria Adams-Phipps. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Janae. Of course. I'm sure we just grabbed the ears of many business owners and entrepreneurs driving their, ve their vehicles. So go ahead and tell us about NOEW. Sure thing. So New Orleans Entrepreneur Week is an annual festival celebration, really, hosted by the Idea Village. We are a small but mighty nonprofit that works to leverage entrepreneurship to transform communities right here in the city of New Orleans. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week is a week-long event that will be taking place March 19th through the 23rd. So coming up just next week... And there'll be pitch competitions, panels, keynote speakers, large networking events, all about catalyzing energy and opportunity within the business community here in New Orleans. Great. Now, as mentioned earlier, NOEW has been going on for 10 years now. Let's talk about its evolution as a platform for entrepreneurial thinking in New Orleans. Sure thing. We are so excited that it's our 10th anniversary. It's a benchmark that we've been, you know, gearing up for for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. and it's feels really good to finally be here. You know, New Orleans Entrepreneur Week grew out of recovery efforts post-Hurricane Katrina. We were getting these phone calls from MBAs who want to support uh, the business community, helping to work with small business owners right after the storm. And after doing that for a little bit of time, recognized that there was some magic in bringing a community of folks to come together and support small businesses, small local businesses. So we flipped that model on its head and started New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. And every year we use this week as an opportunity to infuse our community with resources, be that education, be that investment into local companies, or be that access to resources that we wouldn't have otherwise. We also have engaged a number of talented thought leaders from across our community that you might not get to hear from otherwise. So okay. bringing all those folks to the table, bringing national and international guests to join us, um, and to really you know grow the community that's right here on the ground. Now, this year's theme is Connect in a City Like No Other. With that said, what makes this the best city for connections? Oh my gosh. So first and foremost, you know, New Orleans actually just got a great accolade. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce just recently came out with a report saying we were number two in the country for connectivity within a, wow. a startup community. Uh, so we're really excited about that. But I mean, anyone that lives in New Orleans or loves New Orleans know we connect better than anybody you else. You know, I know that. It was a rhetorical question, oh, yeah. but I know. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's true when you look at the business 
business community as well. Yeah. You know, we are connecting during the workday. We're connecting at night. We're connecting at Mardi Gras. And we want to actually know the people that we're working with, not just in the office, but outside of that. What makes you tick? I want to care about you. I want to know about your kids, your family, your church, your mama. <laughs> um, so I think you you take all of that from the rich culture that exists here and translate that into a business context. And we're better at it than anyone else. Yeah. So with New Orleans Entrepreneurial Week right around the corner, tell us what's new for NOEW this year. Well, exciting this year, we are bringing the event citywide. So it's no longer just anchored downtown. March 19th through the 23rd, there's a whole slate of events you can go and check out right now at NOEW.org. Um, but half of those events are taking place in locations all over the city, which is new for us. So there's pitch competitions in Broadmoor, um, workshops taking place in the Bywater. There's a pitch happening all the way out in St. Bernard Parish. We got a coveting workshop taking place. Um, all over the city, there are opportunities for you to engage with New Orleans Entrepreneur Week in your neighborhood. So that's brand new for us. And every year, you know, we're known for these signature keynotes. So to the keynote stage this year, we have Gabby Toledano, who is the Chief People Officer at Tesla, which is obviously one of the most innovative yeah. companies out there right now. Uh, Kevin Dawson, who is the Vice President of GE Digital, who is doing some incredible things as it relates to internal culture and thinking about diversity and inclusion as a massive company. So excited to hear from him. Kevin Lin, who is co-founder of Twitch, which is a major gaming platform. He actually is originally from Kinner, uh, but him and his co-founders actually recently were acquired by Amazon for $970 million. Oh my God. <laughs> so an exciting story to yeah. hear from him. Um, and then we'll have Jim Coulter, world-class venture capitalist, joining us, kind of giving his spiel on what New Orleanians should be thinking about as it relates to tech and opportunities in tech. Sounds very exciting. Tell me this, what sets New Orleans apart in regards to other entrepreneurial weeks going on across the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, to steal a page from DJ Khaled, we the best. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, honestly, I think what sets us apart is the rich culture that exists here. I think New Orleans is this incredible place to host any event. And you see that with all the slew of events that take place in springtime here in the city. Uh, but what's been exciting is seeing the influx of folks coming from outside communities. So we have entrepreneurs now coming from Little Rock. We have entrepreneurs coming from Mobile, Alabama, from Tuskegee, Alabama, uh, folks from Georgia, from Florida. So we have this uh, migration of mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, of investors, of just supporters who want to be a part of the activity here. And I think that's a big differentiating factor from what you see in other communities. You know, a lot of startup weeks, the entrepreneur weeks in other places are just about that community. We've opened our arms and have wanted to bring folks in. It's still very much so about New Orleans for us, but there's an opportunity for everyone to play. I also think it's important to note that everything we do is free, um, which is a big differentiating factor. Yeah. Some of these other events might have hundreds of dollars you have to pay to get in, and everything we do is free. We believe in accessibility, we believe in inclusion, and that's been a thread throughout what we've done for the past 10 years. Let's talk about the growth in entrepreneurs right here in the Bayou State. Yeah, so we have seen such a huge uptick in the number of companies uh, coming out of this city and coming out of Louisiana as a whole. Um, in 2015, there was a report done that showed that New Orleans was 64% above average across the country for startup activity. So quality of life, I think, is a big factor of that. We have incredible uh, tax credits and tax incentives, both on the business side, uh, looking at digital media, but also on the investment side with angel investors. Uh, we have an economic development suite of agencies from GNO Inc. to NOLA BA to JEDCO who want to make the business environment comfortable for companies that are starting here or moving here. And like I said before, we connect better than 
than anyone else. We have a very collaborative community. And so I think when you factor all those things in, you get this perfect opportunity for companies to rush in, want to stay, want to invest, and get embedded into this community. So we've seen that growth. Uh, we have seen a you know increase in the level of sophistication of the companies that are coming out of New Orleans. It's no longer just restaurants and barbershops, and we still have those in droves. Mm-hmm. But we now also have tech companies. We now also have software opportunities. We now have people who are doing things that might influence the world on a global stage, which is exciting. That was Victoria Adams-Phipps. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Victoria is the executive producer of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Visit noew.org to register and to check out their full schedule of events. New Orleans isn't the only U.S. city celebrating its tricentennial this year. Megan Legrone with Visit San Antonio joins me to share a few interesting parallels between the two 300-year-old cities. Hi, Janae. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We're excited to celebrate 300 years of rich history here in New Orleans, and I'm sure the folks in San Antonio are as well. We also love to celebrate in San Antonio. I think that's one of the first things our two cities have in common is a love to celebrate. So 300 years is going to be a big milestone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead and take us back 300 years ago when San Antonio was settled by Spaniards. Yeah, so San Antonio was originally settled by the Spanish, much like the the French colonization here in New Orleans. And we have five beautiful Spanish colonial missions that were established in the 18th century by Spanish priests. Um, And you can still see those missions today. There are five of them total. The most famous is the Alamo, which everyone knows for the, the famous battle that took place there between the Texian army and the Mexican army, where uh, the Texan defenders fell to Santa Ana and his troops. But those those missions are kind of the foundation of that Spanish influence in San Antonio. But you can see that rich Spanish architecture throughout the city, and it's a very impactful influence that the Spaniards had. Uh, but the interesting thing interesting thing about San Antonio is that it's really a fusion of cultures. There's a strong German presence in San Antonio, a strong Mexican presence, and that blending is really what makes San Antonio the modern city that it is today. Now, one thing that we mentioned, uh, New Orleans and San Antonio share a good time, right? Yes, love to have a good time. We have Mardi Gras. And you guys have Fiesta. We have Fiesta, okay. which is not as well known um, and probably not quite as huge. And it's it's tough to compare anything to Mardi Gras. And I, I hate to, to compare them as similar things. They're both their own unique, wonderful celebrations. But Fiesta takes place every April. It's a 10-day celebration. It originated with a parade called Battle of Flowers to honor the heroes of the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that's been uh, kind of continued since then and has just grown and expanded. Today, there's more than 100 and 10 official fiesta events that include parades and food festivals and live music and pageants and it really takes place all across the city Um, and there's just an energy that comes with it that I feel like uh, residents of New Orleans can relate to when Mardi Gras coming so we're a month out and I'm already starting to feel that (laughs) fiesta energy building up yeah Uh, one of the special traditions of fiesta is medals Organizations create unique medals that represent them, and they exchange them with business colleagues. Some nonprofits sell them as fundraisers, and they get more unique and intricate every year, and it's a very popular thing. Everyone wears them and trades them throughout the fiesta season. So similar to Mardi Gras throws. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's just really fun. People dress uh, very colorfully. There's uh, We take the day off for Battle of the Flowers, or many businesses do if they're lucky enough to, to celebrate <laughs> that particular local holiday. Um, and it's 
it's just really a fun time. Um, there's something every day, and it's those unofficial events, those private parties and things that really kind of set the mood throughout the city. So we're lo- really looking forward to that coming up in April. As you know, New Orleans has major tourist attractions, even more so now with the celebration of the tricentennial. But with that in mind, how does San Antonio match up with the Crescent City? I think there are just a lot of, of similarities. We talked a little bit about the food scene. So I feel like New Orleans is very well known for that Cajun Creole cuisine, and San Antonio has been very well known for the Tex-Mex cuisine, great enchiladas, great tacos, chips and salsa, margaritas. <laughs> we love that. Um, both cities are really evolving in terms of the cuisine. You know, you can find restaurants of all kinds um, that are led by very talented chefs across the city. So I think so many people are traveling for food these days. So that's one kind of great thing to travel to both cities for. Uh, San Antonio also has a, wonder- a wonderful collection of family-friendly attractions. We have uh, theme parks. We have uh, Six Flags Fiesta Texas, SeaWorld San Antonio, and we also have a really cool theme park called Morgan's Wonderland and Morgan's Inspiration Island. And those parks were designed with uh, special needs individuals in mind. They're fun for everyone, uh, but if you're in a wheelchair or if you have autism, there are special things woven into the fabric of the park to make that experience uh, very special for you so you can experience things like swings that you may have never been able to do before. Yeah. So what are some of the major events surrounding San Antonio's tricentennial celebration? So we had a big kickoff at New Year's, and now we're looking forward to our commemorative week, which is going to take the take place the first week of May. Um, and so each day of that week, we're going to be looking and uh, celebrating a certain aspect of San Antonio culture. So there's going to be a military appreciation day, an arts for all day, a history and education day. So each day we're going to be celebrating something in particular. And then to kind of culminate the week, we're going to have a beautiful fireworks display over the missions and that those fireworks are going to be set to a score that was composed specifically for the tricentennial. So I think that'll be a really beautiful tricentennial moment. Absolutely. Before I let you go, Megan, I'd like to point out that um, both cities do have major basketball teams. That's right. And um, the New Orleans Pelicans take on the San Antonio Spurs tonight. Go Spurs go. Go Pals go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a couple of games left between the two teams this year, so that'll be exciting to see. We love our Spurs in San Antonio. I think both towns are very, very avid sports fans. We so. love our Pelicans, I tell you that. There's. I don't know if there's anyone quite as passionate as a Spurs fan, though. I guess we'll see. I, I guess, guess we'll see on the I, court, right? I guess we will. <laughs> I guess we will. <laughs> that was Megan Legrone with Visit San Antonio. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. To learn more about San Antonio's tricentennial celebration, go to visitsanantonio.com. In celebration of the city's tricentennial, Nola V and New Orleans Historical bring us the series, Who Did It Better? New Orleans Then and Now. This week, in anticipation of the upcoming Tennessee Williams Festival, writer Renee Peck takes us through the city's colorful literary history. Tennessee Williams Literary Festival on the horizon, thoughts turn to the generations of writers who have passed through New Orleans. For 300 years, the Big Easy has provided inspiration and backdrop for a long parade of authors. One of the first to pen his thoughts was American architect Benjamin Latrobe. Upon arriving here in 1819, he wrote that, New Orleans has at first sight a very imposing and handsome appearance beyond any other city in the United States in which I have yet been. (laughs) Then reality set in. 
His next observation went like this. Mud, mud, mud. This is a floating city floating below the surface of the water on a bed of mud. Mud or not, New Orleans has sent out a siren call to those willing to listen. As Tennessee Williams would put it some 250 years later, in New Orleans I found the kind of freedom I had always needed, and the shock of it, against the puritanism of my nature, has given me a subject, a theme, which I have never ceased exploiting. Ignatius J. Riley and John Kennedy Tools A Confederacy of Dunces echoed that sentiment. He said, Leaving New Orleans also frightened me considerably. Outside of the city limits, the heart of darkness, the true wasteland, begins. Native New Orleanian Grace King was one of the most ardent chroniclers of the local environment. Born to a wealthy New Orleans family in 1852, she had deep loyalties to her Creole heritage and said that she wrote from a sort of patriotism, a feeling of loyalty to the South. Her prose was as lush as the settings she described. We wander through old streets and pause before the age-stricken houses, and strange to say, the magic past lights them up. More than a century later, Anne Rice recaptured that same sense of magic. In the spring of 1988, I returned to New Orleans, she wrote, and as soon as I smelled the air, I knew I was home. It was rich, almost sweet, like the scent of jasmine and roses around our old courtyard. I walked the streets, savoring that long-lost perfume. Tennessee Williams was another writer evocative about his New Orleans surroundings. His play View Carre is based so profoundly on his Toulouse Street apartment here that critics have said that the house itself is the work's true protagonist. Today, Williams' Toulouse Street digs are owned by the historic New Orleans collection, where, appropriately, you can find a 1973 manuscript of View Carre. Iconic New Orleans settings abound, of course. The Hotel Monteleon alone has been in, at last count, 173 novels and stories. Truman Capote went one better, claiming to actually have been born in the Monteleon. Actually, his mother went into labor while staying at the hotel and just made it to Toro Hospital in time to deliver baby Truman. For many writers, New Orleans was not merely about place, but culture. Sherwood Anderson wrote in 1922 from his third-floor apartment in the French Quarter, Blessed be these people, they know how to play. They are truly a people of culture. For writers, New Orleans is not at the edge of the world, but at the center of it. According to short story writer O. Henry, there are only two cities in the world, New York and New Orleans. And it was the latter that gave O. Henry his pen name. In 1896, as William Sidney Porter, he was indicted for embezzlement in Austin. So he hopped a train for New Orleans. He began writing for local newspapers and socializing with reporters at local bars. During one boozy evening at the Tobacco Plant Saloon, patrons began calling out to the bartender, Oh, Henry, another of the same. That bar theme continues. Oh, Henry's former home on Bourbon Street is today the Bourbon Cowboy, where patrons may not find a bartender named Henry, but they can ride a mechanical bull. Our thanks go to UNO history students and New Orleans Historical for the research in this story. In New Orleans, I'm Renee Peck. And that's it for this week's edition of All Things New Orleans. I'm Janae Pierre. Follow me on Twitter at Miss Janae Pierre and feel free to tweet comments or questions. Would you like to suggest a guest or topic? 
send an email to Janae at WWNO.org. That's J-A-N-A-E at WWNO.org. Visit our website to check out previous shows and be sure to catch us next week right here on 89.9 WWNO New Orleans and 90.5 KTLN Thibodeau Homa. Thanks for joining us. Public radio is an essential asset to any community and WWNO is your source for great content from all over the world. But this is only possible with the financial support of you, the listeners. Give during our Spring Member Fest today by going online to wwno.org slash donate or call 800-286-7002. That's 800-286-7002. And thank you.